are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Coffee with Kim. I invite you to journey with me to a new day. I believe God has led you to this moment and this place because he is about to bring purpose and potential to your story. So join thousands of women and men from around the globe who have discovered how powerful their stories become once Christ touches them with his purpose. Don't you long to make this same discovery? Then grab your coffee, scoot in, and join me as we let God's Word reveal how every part of your past has been preparing you for this very moment. From biblical times, ashes have signified loss and mourning. Yet the God of the Bible promises to turn our crown of ashes into a crown of beauty, our mourning into dancing. Can this biblical time thinking become the reality of those facing deep loss and pain today? Hello, everyone, and welcome to our sixth season Six seasons of the Coffee with Kim talk show. Remember, coffee stands for Conversations of Friends of Faith to Encourage and Equip. I'm Kim Crable, and I'm delighted to have the opportunity to sit and talk with you and to bring you stories that really matter. What a delight it is to be back to provide what I hope is always a platform where stories of God's truth and his promises can be discussed. And as we discuss them and as we provide a platform that Up To Me Radio so beautifully gives us, the scriptural invitation to personal ministry that we find in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 5, can become a reality. Let me give you that scripture really quickly because it is the basis and the foundation of what I hope that you'll always find right here on the Coffee with Kim show. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can therefore comfort those in any trouble with the same comfort we ourselves receive from God. You see, friends, we are going to walk through hard times. We're going to walk through troubled times. But God is going to always be there. He promises to comfort us. But then he also gives us a mandate. And to not just revel in that comfort or not just sit in that comfort, but to do something. It is a call to action. And it is to give the story of your testimony to comfort those around you. And then the promise of this, is found in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 1. I love this, and this is for you personally today. And our hope is firm because we know that just as we share in our sufferings, so also we share in the comforting. And friends, that is what we are called to do in this life is to allow God to get us through our hurts and our pains and our disappointments, the ways that we've messed up, the ways that we have fallen down, maybe the ways that someone has hurt us, but also just in the ordinary and everyday tragedies that we face and the triumphs to be able to share those those circumstances, those situations that God has gotten us through. So I'm talking to many of you right now today as you're listening. You're thinking of maybe things that you've gotten through, maybe ways that God has restored you, renewed you. You know, if you have a story and you'd like to share it, I've never done this before, but I'd like to invite you just to reach out to us. I want to share your story of hope of what God has done in your life right here on Up To Me Radio. It is so important that we do that. It is a part of the ministry that we each and everyone have. So that's a little bit about our program, what I hope that you are going to continue to see as we open up the airlines of of, uh, Up To Me Radio with the Coffee with Kim show. That is my obligation as a host to you is to give you the truth, the transformational truth and hope that we find in Christ alone. So today... We will begin with such a story, with such a testimony. It is one that you no doubt will find yourself shedding some tears, but you're going to 
see such hope in the in the fact that God's grace is sufficient and that he walks through with us through some of our hardest times. To be able to share that today, I've invited a couple of my friends on, people who you have heard before, but are coming back with some more of the story of what God is doing in our lives. You see, we have to remember that few of us, none of us really, are going to escape pain. As a matter of fact, we're told that that we're going to have trials and tribulations in this world, but the pain that some some of that pain that we're going to go through is going to go well beyond what maybe many of us can comprehend. Today's guests have a story that I've never known this pain, but maybe you have. Maybe you have a similar type of pain. But we're going to talk today to Theo and Brittany Fasanilo. Today's guests, they have suffered the kind of pain that few of us have. They are acquainted, well acquainted with mourning having lost two children, one stillborn and one miscarried. But today they're going to tell us about their hurt, but they're also, I want you to hang on, they're also going to tell you about God's great way to bring a sense of hope and beauty to a story. So it is with great delight that I welcome back my good friends and uh, previous guests on the Coffee with Kim and Show, uh, uh, Coffee with Kim Show, Theo and Brittany. So welcome, guys. Thank you so much for stopping by for coffee. Thanks, Kim, for having us. We're happy to be here. Thank you, Kim. Absolutely. It's so good to hear your voices again. I just love you all so much. I love your families. Uh, you know, we're just all good friends. And, you know, I, I, love, I, I want to tell your story because you have such perseverance and your faith has just been a shining light through some of the darkest pains that any of us would ever go through. Before we get into that, how about we just start with, let's just talk about your life right now. Where, you know, I'm living outside of Atlanta. Where, where are you calling in from? So many times people think that we're in the same room, but we're really not. Where, where are you calling in from today? Um, well, we're lucky. We actually have a little retreat that we're calling in from. So we're calling in from um, Banner Elk, North Carolina, which is just outside of our home, um, Charlotte, North Carolina. So we are kid-free um, today and, and having a little bit of rest. <laughs> good, good. What a beautiful time to be in the mountains. So, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful time. Like this is fall, the beginning of fall. It's like one of my favorite times. The leaves are starting to change. We're starting to see God at work all around us, aren't we? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We love it for that reason. I know you do. Well, let's just talk about your family right now. Tell us a little bit about your family and what made you want to come to the show today. Um, first, I just want to say, Kim, as you were introducing um, what you do here and just uh, uh, providing a way for people to share their stories, uh, one of the things that is so important about sharing our story is we we truly believe that um, this is God's story. Um, and so... Mm-hmm. By being able to share it uh, with others, we're, we are able to share what God is doing through our lives and through our family. Um, and so we really feel strongly the importance of sharing. So that's I just thank you for bringing us on and also bringing other families to be able to do the same so that we can get an even fuller picture of what God is doing through um, his people. So. I just wanted to start mm-hmm. with that. But, thank you, um, Brittany. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, but my name is Brittany, um, and married to Theo here, and um, mm-hmm. we um, have had four children, um, two we have here, um, and one, our oldest, is um, almost five. She'll be five in November. Her name is Tessa. And um, our youngest is Seth, and he just turned one in September, um, and he is full of life and just going everywhere now. So we are trying to keep up with him. Um, and then our two in the middle are the ones um, behind why we're here today. And so um, in 2019, we uh, we were pregnant and had our daughter, Hannah, um, she was born sleeping. Um, I was 29 weeks pregnant. 
Um, and then a year later, we had um, a miscarriage, and through genetic testing, we discovered that it was a boy, and so we named him James. Um, and so those are our two babies waiting for us in heaven. So um, that's just a little bit about our family. Mm-hmm. And you say born sleeping, and that that's a beautiful way uh, to represent that, that he was stillborn, correct, or she was stillborn? Yes, she was. She had um, passed in the womb, um, and then I went through the labor and delivery process um, after she had died. You know, um, Theo and Brittany, whoever wants to respond to this, and I hope that you both will, but, um, you know, we had this thought that permeates a lot of the Christian thinking that if and as long as we're, you know, going to church as often as the doors are open or whenever we can and we're memorizing the scripture and we're, we're trying to be good people and we're giving back and we have this thought that as long as we're doing everything right, then life is just going to kind of be easy and it, it's going to just turn out okay. Well, that is just not true. And let's talk about that um, in your life. Yeah, I mean, I think um, that's an important lesson for, you know, any Christian, right, that um, following Christ is um, taking your own cross and following him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even, uh, I think uh, right around the time that we lost Hannah, we had actually been um, in a, a fostering ministry. We had had a foster son. Um, you know, the church was helping us in that um, family dynamic. We had our, our daughter, Tessa. Brittany was pregnant with Hannah. And we also had um, our foster son, Cash, at the time. So, yeah, I mean, I think mm-hmm. with that philosophy, you can definitely feel um, all the questions when you go through that tragedy initially of, you know, being bitter towards God, being angry towards God, um, asking all the questions of, you know, why would this happen to us or to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were following a calling with fostering. And, you know, so I think that's definitely a part of experiencing trauma, tragedy, loss, um, that there's a season. Uh, for some people, it can be many, many years of questioning God's goodness Mm -hmm. questioning, you know, um, but I do think it comes down to that understanding of, you know, we're not, we're not promised all the blessings here on this earth. The blessings are Mm -hmm. eternity. Um, And so we, you know, we are, are in a way kind of promised a life where we will be picking up our cross and following Mm -hmm. him and looking towards him mm-hmm. for help and relief and healing. So, mm-hmm. you know, that is, that is, uh, you know, just an era in, in, in the teaching of the Bible that I think is so important. Um, I, I spend so much time on this with different people on a weekly basis to understand even throughout the Bible, you, you see that, I mean, look at the life of Jesus. No one could have been more uh, God-like and more perfect in his living, yet, um, you know, the, the pain that he endured. And so for us to remember, someone said to me not too long ago, gosh, I just feel like God is punishing me. But, you know, God is not punishing us. He is literally working out his plan. We just have a temporary vision rather than an eternal perspective. And so for us to grab onto to that eternal perspective and realize that this this life, even though it is filled with pain, one day, you know, one day soon, uh, we'll, we'll be re, re, reunited with those that we've lost and healed from our hurts. And But let's get back. I just wanted to, for someone who's listening that maybe feels like God is punishing them, I just hope that you won't believe that lie and that you'll really lean in to what Theo and Brittany had to say over these next few minutes. So, Brittany, tell us, you know, I I can't imagine, and I'm sure that you hear this so much, I can't imagine, um, you know, birthing the stillborn, the the miscarriage. Uh, Tell us and take us there uh, as much as you feel comfortable with just the emotions and the pain um, that that you as a mom felt during that time. Sure. Um, yeah. And I'm over the last few years. Um, 
God has kind of settled my heart in ways that I can I can talk about it much more openly than mm-hmm. I could. So, um, and now I can kind of think about it and and think you know I, we actually had some really sweet moments with our daughter um, after mm-hmm. delivery and it truly like some of those some of those severe mercies is what we call them some of those really were gifts to be able to have some of that time um, that a lot of families may not. Um, mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I had had a pretty flawless pregnancy. Um, like Theo mentioned, we were fostering. And so I, I was facing two toddlers around my entire pregnancy. Um, and luckily I maintained energy and um, I really, I really didn't have any negative things to say, which was following up my pregnancy with Tessa that I just felt terrible the whole time. So this was definitely a win. Um, so I had a very, a very good pregnancy and everything was going well. Um, and I went away for a weekend with a, a girlfriend for her birthday. And while I was gone, I just, realized that I couldn't really remember when I had felt my baby moving um, last. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, when you're so busy and you're running around, especially if you haven't experienced loss or just even been around it, like I, we didn't have a lot of friends or family that had been through this type of loss, like in our immediate circles. So I just wasn't the type that would be sitting around counting ticks or super aware um, of the movement of my child. So uh-huh. um, I just, for suddenly I just started thinking, you know, I'm not really sure when I felt my baby move last. So I kind of committed myself to a day where I would sit there and pay attention like throughout a whole day. And when the whole day passed and I didn't feel anything, um, I started getting very concerned. Um, and throughout pregnancies, I I try not to go into the paranoia. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, Theo and I talked about it. We said, you know what, let's just lay on the couch for a while. Let's watch a couple shows and count kicks and, like, let's just pay attention. And so we did that, and it was late in the evening, and nothing. Um, And so instead of calling, and this would be something that I would have to really wrestle with uh, myself over the next several months, but instead of calling the hospital or going in to get checked, I just sent an email to my doctor trying not to be paranoid um, and just said, you know, I haven't felt baby moving in about 24 hours that I can remember. what do you recommend? Could I make an appointment to come in tomorrow? Just check on things. Um, and it was in the night, it was in the evening. So I didn't hear back anything until the next day when I got a call from the doctor that said, you know, we really wish you would come in for things like this. Um, any, anything that, you know, about baby's movement, we, we want you to come in. Um, and so I immediately felt guilty over that. Um, and, but we yeah. went, went in we went in immediately and um to our kind of surprise I mean Theo was pretty confident like everything was going to be fine I kind of went back and forth between everything's fine or something like is terribly wrong like the baby had already passed or something and so we went in and there there it was a heartbeat um and a strong heartbeat um and so I, we were just relieved. We were like, well, I don't know why. Baby's not moving very much, and I haven't felt movement, but there's a heartbeat. But So I stayed on a monitor at the practice for about an hour, and she said, you know, just because of the lack of movement, I think I want you to go on to the hospital, and they can monitor you for longer there. And so we went to the hospital. This was a couple hours um, later. Hooked me back up to a monitor. Still a heartbeat. Um, great. They did an ultrasound and we could see the baby. Um, and at this time we didn't know the gender. We were going to let it be a surprise. Um, cause we mm-hmm. had done that with, uh, and we really loved that. And so mm-hmm. we were just told them like, we don't want to know the gender during the ultrasound. So just like keep that from us. And, but we noticed that the baby was just so still and, and there really was, there was a heartbeat. We could see the heart beating, but the baby was not moving. Um, and so they did like a 40-minute ultrasound, basically, where they're looking for various things that the baby does. And and baby went, you know, 35 minutes 
without doing almost any of the things that they look for. So they had kind mm-hmm. of prepared me for potentially going into an emergency C-section. Um, mm-hmm. But in those last five minutes, I see you, Theo and I looked at each other, and suddenly Hannah rolled over, started moving. I, I felt her kick. Um, oh. we see her on the ultrasound, like moving and we're like, oh my gosh, she was just taking like a two day nap. Like, I, I don't know <laughs> what was going on, but fine, um, baby's fine. And so they just said, you know, everything looks pretty good, but we're just going to keep you here another, like for the night. And then we'll do this test again tomorrow and make sure that, um, everything's good to go. And so we started settling in, um, and they took the ultrasound machine out and brought the heart monitor back out to just hook me back up. And for some reason, they couldn't place the heart monitor. They tried and tried and tried, and within, like, they they brought three nurses in and out trying to get the heart monitor placed. And they eventually they said to the ultrasound doctor, they said, can you actually come back and help us place the monitor because the baby got into a position that's making it challenging. And so this was like 30 minutes after the ultrasound. Um, And so she brought the ultrasound machine back in, hooked it back up, and she was just quiet. Um, And she was like kind of like whispering to herself, like she was looking for something. And then she said, I'm so sorry, something has happened. Um, Mm. And right then, just right there on the ultrasound, um, she said, there's no longer a heartbeat. And we were just shocked. I mean, we had just seen the baby moving um, and just seen the heartbeat. And just, I mean, we obviously were like, are are you like sure? Like, what do you mean? Like the baby like was just here. Um, Mm. So we we went for a better ultrasound machine and Thea was like, well, this ultrasound machine looks old. Like, can we go, you know, just all of the things you're just, just right. grasping for a different reality. Um, and so they took, they took me into a high risk ultrasound room where they have this, you know, 3d ultrasound machine. And um, they did another one. They confirmed and they told us it was a girl. Um, and mm. then we, I, I, you know, just shell shocked, you know, we asked, okay, so like, what does this mean? What do we do? Like, I had no idea at that point that that would mean mm-hmm. I have to go to labor. Um, mm-hmm. And just, you know, just something you never really consider because you don't think you're ever going to find yourself in that position. Um, and so they they said, you know, I said, so what does this look like? Um, and they told us that um, they would induce labor, um, and they said they would schedule it for, like, a couple hours later. So it was, like, 3 p.m., and they were going to schedule induction at 5. Um, and mm. so in those couple hours, you know, we were able to spend some time calling family. And um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the backstory of what happened. <laughs> Brittany, I just want to take a moment to thank you for your your bravery in sharing that. I I I I, I felt you uh, grabbing for strength, um, and what a what a what a what a loss at that moment when everything was just happening so quickly. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I want to go over to Theo now, and and just um, Theo, I. You know, and just listening to that, and I don't know that you've all thought about this, but, you know, I was just so moved by the fact that Hannah rolled over and made gestures. Have you all thought about the message in, in her move there? Has that, did that mean anything special? What, 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 why do you think that happened? Or have you thought about that? Yeah, I mean, Brittany used the term earlier uh severe mercies I think obviously in that um, moment that day or the hours and days and weeks afterwards um, it felt it felt like a sting you know because a lot of the stillbirth stories that we have come across in the connections that we had the baby had already passed when the mother hadn't felt movement 
So to kind mm-hmm. of go through the cycle of hope and relief and be met with the, the news that you feared um, felt yeah. like an extra burden in a way. Um, but <laughs> later um, in our, our healing, we kind of realized it was a severe mercy because we got to see her. You know, we got to see her in her last uh, moments alive. So, um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think... I haven't necessarily correlated that to anything particular, but I think other than just, um, you know, a sweet thing that came from that is one of the nurses um, that was with us actually got that um, heart uh, heart framed for us. So that was sweet. So, yeah, just like that to me is like, I don't know. It just, I've not heard that part of the story and it was almost like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I could read a lot into that, but such mercy, such grace to um, to see that sweet little thing um, must be uh, such a such a treasure to you now that God gave to you. Um, Thea, let's stay with you for just a minute. Um, let's talk about your emotions as a as a father, uh, and you know, dads like to make everything okay they like to run to the rescue and you know they but how did you tell us what you felt like at that moment yeah so I think um leading up to the hospital I felt very you know I think the classic husband the classic father of everything's okay you're just kind of you know freaking out your hormones are all over the place kind of just like any any worry that a pregnant wife typically has I think our response as men a lot of times is like, I think things are okay, you know, to kind of be the level-headed. And so I really did feel very assured that things were okay. I had a feeling that we would deliver the baby, though. Um, So there was even a little bit of excitement in me. I knew it was early. We were only 29 weeks. Um, I'm a statistic junkie, so I knew, though, (laughs) 29 weeks that there's a 99% survival rate or 98% survival rate if you're born at 29 weeks, um, even though it's super early. So I even, like, said that on the way to the hospital, like, almost kind of preparing her, like, if we do have to deliver, like, things will be okay. Um, So that was kind of before. And then when we were at the hospital, because we had gotten the heartbeat, I was so focused on being hungry. (laughs) (laughs) So I was thinking, I break away to go get Panera. <laughs> um, <laughs> between everything being okay and before we got the news, I actually did get food. So I think I was like, yeah, while the nurses were, so I was like literally eating a sandwich or like taking a mm-hmm. bite of a sandwich when this news was delivered. Um, mm-hmm. just to, um, so for me in that moment, I think the, um, you you kind of have that out-of-body experience where you don't have an initial reaction. You're kind of looking at all the faces in the room. You know, so yeah. there was the doctor who was delivering the news who had a tear shirling down her face. And so I remember yeah. noticing that nurse that was messing with the machine that had kind of paused and started crying. And then there was, mm-hmm. you know, Brit. Um, so, yeah, I think in that moment I kind of paused and, like, took all of that in. And then mm. I think after I kind of went into this uh, protection mode of, okay, it's about Brittany. You know, we need to make her comfortable, um, make her okay. Um, and I think it took me a while for this law to be personal to me um, and not just about, especially, you know, during labor and delivery and just, the immediate physical pain that Brittany was experiencing um, felt about her and it needed to be yeah. about her. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been a number of years and I feel the pain is uh, in your voices uh, as if it were uh, a minute ago. And so again, I just want to thank you so much. Um, both of you for having the courage um to, to share your story because it's not, you know, listeners, it's not easy to tell your story. And you know that because you have a story that maybe you haven't shared. 
but you're going to see through the story, through the struggle, and through the, the courage that it's taking uh, Theo and Brittany to share, you're going to see that God triumphs and he is there. Uh, we're going to take a 30-second break. I want to come back. And I want to, we have a lot to talk about, but I, I first want to talk about, um, you know, your first emotions. Let's just take a, a few minutes for each of you all to talk about how you got through some of those really first uh, emotions of of how of anger, frustration, bitterness, whatever that was. I want to take a minute if there was a scripture that, that helped you through that. But then I want to ask you this question uh, that I, I feel is so important. Uh, I know you're, you know, Theo, I know your parents. Um, I'm, not, I'm not so familiar. I know Brittany's story. I'm not so familiar with her, her immediate family. But I want to ask both of you, what what had been poured into you what had you been taught? What what had you prepared for that moment? What did you rely on? I think that's a really important question to think about. And then we're going to go into how God has brought purpose into the the sweet lives of Hannah and James and why you want to tell that story. So listeners, hold on. We'll be back in 30 seconds to finish this story. All right, we'll be right back. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. As an adult, kids want to know you're listening to them, but they also want to listen to you. When it comes to alcohol, they want to know your expectations and how and why to avoid underage drinking. Talking early and often about it in everyday conversations reinforces your message and keeps lines of communication open. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Coffee, Conversations of Friends of Faith to Encourage and Equip. I'm Kim Crable, your host. I love having this platform to be able to share uh, the transformational truths of what God wants to do in our lives. Our ministry, and I'd love for you to check it out. You can go to www.kimcrable.org, or you can go to our nonprofit name, rosesandrainbows.org. You know, I feel like a personal mission to use God's word to restore God's people to who they are in Christ and then to teach and share the word to keep us in that uh, restorative stage so that we can continue and fulfill the calling upon our lives. You have a calling on your life. You were born with a purpose, and you may be in a situation right now where you can see none of that happening, and that's why we must uh, incorporate the Word, saturate our lives with the Word so that the Word can lead us to that plan. So go to our website and find out the Bible studies that we have going on. I've just released my ninth book on Amazon. So a lot of ways that we can share the goodness of God. And one of those ways as we return back to our Coffee with Kim Live Talk Radio is to bring on people who, such as Theo and Brittany, who have this incredible uh, story of God's hope, his comfort, and how he can rescue us in the times of our deepest and darkest times. So again, Theo and Brittany, I just want to thank you so much for your courage. I, I feel the struggle. I feel your hurt. Uh, it's not a pain that I'm aware of. We all have many losses, but I think to lose a child is probably the ultimate in pain. I, I can't say that for sure because I haven't you know, explored all, or felt all pains, but I can't imagine one that's greater. Um, but I think that it is one that probably will help you understand the love of Jesus and the love of God even more, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. So uh, I think that you probably have a more sense of God's love. Uh, because of that than I do and knowing how that is. So welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for, for coming. Yeah, thank you. Let's, absolutely. We have a lot to go over in a few minutes, but I do want to talk about, because I feel like there are a lot of people who are listening or who will be listening when we go into podcast, and they are going to, they're going to be hearing you, and they're going to, I don't want to just um, skim over the real hurt and the real pain and, and the devastation and maybe in the dark times that you went through. Uh, can you take just a few minutes, each of you, to talk about one emotion that you felt and, and maybe how God got you through that? 
Yeah, so um, I'll go first. Um, I felt immediately um, uh, one of the emotions I felt was anger and bitterness um, following this. Um, and that it happened probably, you know, a couple weeks. Initially, I saw God and all the people that came and the nurses and kind of felt his um, immediate comfort um, mm. in some of the physical needs that we had. Um, and then when the dust settles is typically the hardest time for loss kind of the people go away the funeral's over and then you're back to this reality that you don't want to live in um that's for me when the anger and kind of bitterness um set in and um when it turned a corner it was about six months later um and, it, and it's been a journey right i think i still yeah. experience some anger and bitterness even now but when it started to turn a corner, we had a ministry, a counseling ministry that that um, does grief counseling around this. And there was a line that the man said in the counseling that said, you know, Hannah, um, as much as you wanted her here, where is she now? You know, that was kind of like a question. And yeah. uh, what is the greatest place for her to be at? What is our hope? in all of our children. So like your hope for Tessa, your daughter, is that she will become mm-hmm. a believer and and be able to enter eternity in heaven. And you already mm-hmm. know that Hannah's and it was just this reality of like that is our ultimate goal as a parent and that was achieved with Hannah. Um, you know, not not from our doing, um and, and it never is, right? But just, I, I think just to hear that and recognize that, like, I think that's a line that you probably hear a lot with loss and especially with child loss, but it, it was it comfort in that anger and bitterness that I specifically had with, with God, um, too. So I'll let Brittany yeah. talk. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Um, for me, um, I had a lot of similar, similar feelings. Um, I think, Feeling betrayed um, was probably my biggest um, emotion of just having to wrestle with God um, because I I feel like walking, like the years I had walked with the Lord, like this didn't make sense um, in terms of who I knew God to be, the character of mm. God. Like it makes sense that he could be sovereign over this but also good. Um, so I, I really wrestled, and I still wrestle. Um, I, I still wrestle with, with, with believing both the sovereignty and the goodness of God, and I do know that both of those are true, um, and I mm-hmm. see it in so many other places in my life. Um, but, but, yeah, that betrayal, because it felt like God had done this to me, um, yeah, and it just didn't make sense uh, for what I had believed about God. So, um, yeah, and I and I think wrestling through that was so important. I really had to dive into the Word and find places where other people had also wrestled with God and be be content, knowing like God is not afraid of my doubts and yes. He is not afraid of my questioning Him. Uh, he is he is not a stranger to that because many people, many of his children um, and many of his people throughout the Bible did the same. Um, and ultimately, he knows that we will come out knowing the truth, um, that he is good and that he is sovereign and he can be both. Um, and so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been a that's been a journey, um, and it's, it, I think it will be an ongoing one um, for the rest of my life. But I know to, I know it to be true. I, I I I love that, and I thank you so much for that because I feel like that that is one of the things what you two have just said, and with it within everything that you said, I think that 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 is the hope is that. God is big enough to handle our questions, our doubts. We can cry to him. We can scream to him. We must face the true emotion. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to not understand. As a matter of fact, that God wants 
wants us to express those feelings. And one of the scriptures you gave was Lamentations 2, 22 through 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And, you know, for those who are suffering, and I feel that as you are are wiping away tears, that many of our listeners are also wiping away tears. And there is a freshness and there's a, there's a bubbling of that hurt that's been so stuffed into their heart that God is bringing to the top now. He is letting these hurts and these pains resurface. And friends, I want you to know that he's allowing them to resurface because he wants to bring a new healing, a new comfort. He wants to be there with you, and he wants you to understand that what you're feeling is okay, even if it's anger. It is okay, but they must be confronted, and they can be confronted. And that's exactly why Theo and Brittany are going through the bravery of sharing their story with you in hopes that you will be comforted with the same comfort that God has given to them. So friends, if you're out there and you're you're really struggling, I pray that you will uh, call in, leave a message with us on Up To Me Radio so that we can reach out to you and get some information to you. And we want this, we want this show to be a true, hopeful event in your life, the, the beginning of new healing. Theo and Brittany, let's take just a minute. I want this question of what you had been taught up to this point. When you saw, when you were standing there, and Theo, you're eating your sandwich, and Brittany, you're sitting there, and you're watching that the, the nurse and the doctor start to talk to herself, and all of a sudden, things you begin to feel something shift in the atmosphere that's saying, oh, it's not, it's not what we thought it was going to be. What had prepared you for that moment? That's a good question. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think um, both of us have had, you know, and, and both of us have had hardship prior to this. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think through every trial that you go through um, can prepare you for the next trial. Um, you know, I think for me, um, one of the things that is natural from the family that I grew up in, and you probably know this about my mom, is is action, right? So when something um, tragic happens or a tragedy enters your life, you're looking mm-hmm. for what action can I do? What is what is my next step? And you can kind of even amidst yeah. this degree vision. Um, that was something that my mother specifically, I think, trained me um, on. It's kind of like take that just one step at a time kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. that. Very, very good. Reliance on – so uh, friends are listening. The first thing that, that Theo said was the reliance on the past experiences with God. He had been through pain before. He knew God had come through before. And then like, okay, what do I do? And I love that because – Faith without action, you know, so we, we, his faith began to be activated in what to do. Brittany, I think, I think you were starting to say something, sweet girl. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to answer that question, too, just, um, just knowing that we had come out on the other side of suffering before. Um, I think the devastation, obviously, when a, when a tragedy happens, it it seems to pale the other, you know, your previous losses. It seems to pale those in comparison because you're in the midst of it now. Um, but yes. I think just knowing that God has been faithful um, helped me through that next year of wrestling. Um, he had been faithful. He had provided and he had given grace um, mm-hmm. and mercy to our family. Um and throughout the word to dive into the scripture, I knew all the answers were in there. Um, it was just being willing to dive in um, to see his promises fulfilled time and time again in his word. Yeah, I love that. I like what you said, being willing to, you know, and that, that shows there's a choice. And what that next action is going to be that Theo was talking about. God, you know, are we, you know, the willingness. And sometimes the pain uh, can can paralyze that a little bit. But 
um, but the willingness of knowing that, that God is there. Well, you know, I've heard a quote, and, uh, and I use it quite uh, often. It's that grief, grief is love that has no place to go. And so you had all this, all this love uh, stored up uh, for Hannah, and you had all this love that you were, were going to be giving to James. And so love, it's like, okay, now what do we do with all this love? You have found a place. You truly are an example of the Second uh, Corinthians to comfort others with the same comfort that God has given you. And you have done that through some programs, of, a program out of the ashes um, that you have done. Will you, uh, let's, let's talk about what you've done with that grief and how you're trying to use that to help other people. Yeah, so, you know, out of the ashes, 5K was was um, kind of a vision I had. Me and my mom in the hospital, you know, kind of um, viewed Hannah's body, and you know, my my oldest daughter Tessa, you know, she's only four, so she could be athletic. But the joke is that she's been more artsy and not athletic. And Hannah's body, kind of, both me and my mother just said, looked like a runner, like she could have been a runner. And mm-hmm. so that thought me and um one of the people in our first year that really helped us through um this tragedy was a ministry called Caleb's ministry and Caleb Mm -hmm. their son had been stillborn the year that me and Brittany were born so their son would have been Mm -hmm. our age and they Mm -hmm. counseled us through Hannah's law and just seeing that like shared experience that um just being able to like talk openly to somebody who had been through it 32 years prior or 30 years prior at that point um, was helpful. And so the race, the kind of the race idea started with um, let's do a race in our neighborhood, walking through the stages of pregnancy. So a 5k is 3.2 miles and there's three trimesters of pregnancy and birth that point to um, and mm. so that started. And so the ministry now, um, it is in its third year, um, we hold a race every year in October. Um, this year it's October 22nd. Um, October is actually divinely um, Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And um, mm-hmm. Hannah was still born in October. James was also miscarried in October. So mm. um, he was miscarried. 10 days before our first race, um, Brittany had her DC, so she can talk more about that. But, um, but as far as the race, you know, so there's a competitive uh, uh, section of the race that people just run a 5K for a time. It's at night. It's candlelit. It's in the fall, so it's a nice environment for runners. And then there's this interactive walk. We've now made it a 3K, so you don't have to walk the full 5K <laughs> for those that mm-hmm. aren't the the 3K, like I mentioned, has tables along the way that represent first trimester loss, second trimester, and third trimester loss, mm. as well as loss. And on those tables, there's um, candles and a lantern where you can light and pray for the family or the baby that you're honoring, um, and then even write their name on the lantern. So then at the end mm. of the night, we hear from a couple families, their testimonies, and then release the lanterns at the end. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's pretty powerful to see the amount of lanterns and just to kind of hold space for these families yeah. to be, you know, like we said, um, when we, you know, before we even started the show and you asked us the question about um, what are the names of your two living children? And you knew yeah. that Hannah and Jane were our children. And that's always uh, special because that night, you know, the point of the race is that you get to be, um, we get to be Hannah and James's parents that night. And yeah. people who have lost, that's important because you rarely get to be those people's parents. So, Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's just beautiful. I mean, what what you've done here is, is exceptional. And, I, and I, it sounds like a tremendous amount of work, but what a way to honor and and so you didn't you didn't stop there you've gone into a grant process uh Brittany would you like to tell us about that 
Yes. Um, so this year we officially became a nonprofit. So the first two races are the proceeds went toward Caleb Ministries, which Sia mentioned earlier, a counseling program. So we donated all of our proceeds back to them. We felt they had really served us well, um, and we wanted them to be able to serve other families in the same way. So we donated all the proceeds to them. This year, we became a nonprofit ourselves um, and started a grant program where bereaved families can actually apply to receive a scholarship or financial aid for the medical expenses associated with pregnancy loss or infant loss um, or unfavorable infertility outcomes. Um, so the, in this way, you know, for someone who's experienced a stillbirth, like our first experience with this type of loss, we got a bill, you know, six months after delivery um, for mm -hmm. the global pregnancy bill. So I, you know, I had a full pregnancy of prenatal visits, a labor and delivery, all the testing. Um, so our bills for both Hannah and Tessa were the same. Um, but mm. yet I had Tessa in my arms. And I didn't have Hannah. Right. And I feel like yeah. the sting of that, I mean, it hurts already, obviously. There's already the sting that we're dealing with as a family. But the thing of getting the bill um, is just, it's very, I don't know, there's just something about it that, that feels yeah. very, very different. And, you know, and somebody that's been through a miscarriage, a DNC will get you all the way up to a deductible, or even if you don't have to do a DNC, you have, you know, prenatal bills, you know, any any woman who has been through a pregnancy can kind of relate at least to the bill part, even if they've not experienced loss. And so mm -hmm. the whole goal of the grant program is just to take a small burden that they're already going through all of these burdens with the loss of the child away from that family. Um, if you can just take that bill away. And for us, I actually um, had a, a, one of the companies that I partnered with in my business, um, actually paid our bill for Hannah's, um, mm, and mm. that's such a practical and um, really sweet way to love on our family, um, you know, because yeah. I also had to take, me and Brittany had to take time off of work to grieve and then practically to birth and go through a funeral process, too, so, and then the expenses of funeral costs, so, yeah, so that, yeah. that's kind of the goal with the grant program is to take a small piece of the puzzle in their healing away from the family. Um, and so um, the race will be our big fundraiser every year. Um, and to add, you know, in addition to in the in-person event, we do have a virtual component. So, you know, people can either directly donate to the grant program themselves, um, even if they don't want to participate in a 5K or walk at all. They can still just donate to this fund to help families, um, bereaved families. And then the virtual component, um, they can even walk or run a race um, virtually um, as well. So there is that for those that aren't near or wanting to travel to Charlotte, North Carolina. How do they uh, How do they reach you? How do they donate? How do they participate? How do they find out more information. Thanks for asking. Yeah, we um, we have a social media presence. We're on Instagram, um, Out of the Ashes 5K um, is our handle. And then also we have a website. It's also outoftheashes5k.com. Um, and all the information is on our website about the virtual component, about the grant program, about donations, registration. If you'd like to join us in Charlotte, we would obviously love to have you in person to be able to experience the interactive walk um, and the lantern release. Um, but we have a great setup for our virtual virtual participants. So um, we hope that some, in some way um, you guys will be able to join us. Absolutely, and I would encourage you listeners to to be a part of this because it is a call to action, and it is the action. You know, I truly believe um, Psalms 139, 15, and 16 is another one of your scriptures. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. You know, I so know without a doubt 
God perform God God declares a plan for us, he says, and with no doubt that Hannah and James had a, a plan. And you know, what is so amazing is and a purpose and what's so amazing is is while Hannah and James are not here to fulfill their purpose in, in a live form like we would want to, their parents have taken that on and you are giving and fulfilling Hannah and James's purpose here on earth and their lives really are making a difference in all of ours. So I just thank you for doing the hard calling uh, on, on for, for Hannah and James and being their voice to each and every one of us. Thank you guys so much for doing that. Um, I would like to, we have about three minutes left and I'd just like to give each of you a final word as to what, what have you learned about God during this? Brittany's looking at me to go first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that you could say on that, right? But um, yeah, yeah, I would just say, I think, um, you know, we have been blessed with two um, living children um, as well. And so I think one of the things I've learned is just how a blessing that that for somebody to even get pregnant to – have a full pregnancy to have children. So just even how we, as hard as children can be and how, um, especially as a culture, our society views children as burdens so much in the culture mm. that they genuinely are such a blessing. Um, and yeah. so I think, just, you know, and, the, and there's a purpose, like you said, those that have been lost have purpose and those that are here yeah. have purpose. Um, and so I think that's, that's something true. that I, learned and all of this and we see god every day and looking in the faces of our two beautiful children here uh and the love that we have for them just multiplied infinitely um because of our loss um and i think it just shows that god like he gives good gifts um and it doesn't look the same for every family it doesn't mean that everyone who's gone through loss will have a living child but it does mean that God it shows up, um, shows yeah. up in in small ways, and if you look for Him, He He can be found there. Mm, I love that. I just can't have. I don't have the words uh, to properly thank you, but uh, I would just like to, on behalf of the audience and, and everyone that you've just spoken hope into, I truly like to to thank you, uh, Theo and Brittany. The parents of Hannah, James, Tessa, and Seth for being with us today and for proclaiming God's goodness in the midst of great pain. And to our audience, I'd like for you to write this down, October 22nd, uh, 2022, to remember it's from 6.30 to 9 p.m. in Charlotte, North Carolina. There will be out of the ashes. Uh, walk or run and you can go in person or it can be a virtual race please go and be a part make a donation out of the ashes grant program and the mother father's day programs that they have go to out of the ashes 5k.com and let's all help uh, in whatever way that we can make this an overwhelming success and we can all become a part of the plan and the purpose of sweet Hannah and James as we join their parents. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you. I just words can't express how much this has meant to me. So Theo, Brittany, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And friends, you check our website. You can get out and find more information about this. If you have any questions, call us, and we will make sure that you can get signed up and make your donation. Thank you so much for joining me right here. This is Kim Crable. Thank you for joining me again right here on the Coffee with Kim live talk show. I'd like to take a moment as we end to thank Melinda Davis, the CEO of Up To Me Radio, who provides this as an opportunity for us, and for personally for me to thank Sandy Deagle, who is our director for the Coffee with Kim show who is doing all the behind scenes. It takes a team to make all of this work, and I'm thankful that we can work as a team on this earth. You know, we're all just walking each other home, so let's do it in an encouraging and equipping way through conversations such as this one. 
Thank you so much for joining me, and we'll see you next time right here on Coffee. Goodbye, everybody. To learn more about Kim's books, teaching materials, or to invite Kim to speak at your event, please visit kimcrable.org. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, to learn more, please visit kimcrable.org.